Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to the Spoken Edition of Wired. Today's briefing is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle, the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you the visibility and control needed to make smart decisions and grow with confidence. Save time and money and gain agility and scale by managing your company's finances in one place, in real time, from your desktop or phone. Start today. Right now, NetSuite is offering valuable insights with a free guide. Seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash wired. Get your free guide at netsuite.com slash wired. Think flash floods are bad? Buckle up for flash droughts. A typical drought is a slow-motion catastrophe, but scientists are trying to figure out a phenomenon called a flash drought, which forms in as little as two weeks. By Matt Simon. In late spring of 2012, climactic chaos descended upon the Midwest and Great Plains in the midst of the growing season. A drought is supposed to unfold on a timeline of seasons to years. But in the two weeks between June 12th and 26th, the high plains went from what a monitoring group called abnormally dry to severe drought. The affected area ballooned from covering 30% of the continental U.S. in May to over 60% by August, with the agricultural losses tallying in the tens of billions of dollars. The region had crashed into a flash drought. Think of it like a flash flood, only far bigger, and therefore far more consequential. It's a phenomenon science is just beginning to understand, let alone predict. But today in the journal Nature Climate Change, two dozen researchers, atmospheric scientists, computer scientists, climate scientists, and more, are publishing a perspective piece trying to get their community to agree on a standard definition for a flash drought and to set research priorities for the future. Why, for instance, do flash droughts happen in the first place? How can scientists get better at predicting them and giving water managers warning? And if climate change is making the world drier in general, what does that mean for flash droughts? I think the challenge with drought just in general, that makes it so much different than any other hazard, much more challenging and very costly, is the fact that it has a very potentially large spatial footprint and a very potentially long temporal footprint says Mark Svoboda, director of the National Drought Mitigation Center and co-author on the new paper. Compared to a flood, earthquake, hurricane, tornado, 
there they have a relatively small impact area, and they last a very short amount of time. Here's the first tricky bit. Calling a drought a drought is both an objective and subjective science. The objective side comes from raw data about precipitation and soil moisture. But there are also these things that are coming from people on the ground, their opinions and their subjective observations, says Angeline Pendergrass, an atmospheric scientist at the National Center for Atmospheric Research and lead author on the new paper. And so this is a very rich data set, but it's also not entirely objective. By experts, she doesn't mean old folks sitting on porches saying that their joints aren't acting up, so there must not be any rain coming. She means water managers who control the distribution of water to residents and industries, and local officials who talk to farmers and other workers likely to be economically affected by drought. These insights are combined with those objective measurements by the U.S. Drought Monitor, a collaboration of federal agencies like the USDA and NOAA, and Svoboda's National Drought Mitigation Center, which updates a map every Thursday showing which parts of the country are in drought and how severely they are affected. The group ranks conditions from D0, abnormally dry, yet still not a drought, to D4, exceptional, or the worst-case scenario. It was this body that determined the high plains jumped from D0 to D2, severe drought, over those two weeks in 2012. So one measure of intensification is changing by two categories of drought in two weeks, says Pendergrass. The problem is that this score deals in subjective judgments, and necessarily so. For scientists to actually quantify how things might get worse in the future thanks to climate change, they need objective measurements. We don't have a U.S. drought monitor for the future, Pendergrass says. We need to have a different, more objective definition of flash drought in order to be able to even quantify how models project that flash drought could change. One way of beginning to quantify flash droughts is something called the Evaporative Drought Demand Index. Essentially, it's a measure of how thirsty the atmosphere is. On a hot, dry day, air sucks more water out of vegetation and soil. On a humid, cool day, it hoovers up less. To produce a flash drought, the air needs to be particularly thirsty. Maybe it's extra hot and dry, and a strong wind blows across the soil, carrying away moisture. Indeed, this was the case in the Midwest's 2012 flash drought. It wasn't caused by just a lack of rain. It was also the hot weather. This is one of the reasons why drought researchers are worried about climate change. Warmer weather means a landscape can dry out quickly, even after a wet winter and spring, as was the case in the Midwest. Climate change is also making rainstorms more intense, yet less frequent. I think the game-changer recently has been with the warmer climate and hotter temperatures. It speeds up the hydrological cycle, says Svoboda. It speeds up how fast water comes into and leaves our systems, and we're more susceptible to days in between rain events. During those gaps between storms, drying can rapidly intensify, leading to flash droughts. These dry periods can be dire when they coincide with growing seasons, as happened in the Midwest in 2012. If real estate's about location, 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 droughts to me are about timing, 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 says Svoboda. But it's not so simple as just looking at precipitation and weather. For example, climate change is futzing with vegetation in a way that might actually help the land hold on to water. 
That's a big factor, says Pendergrass. Some recent research has actually shown that because with increases in greenhouse gases, specifically carbon dioxide, plants can use water more efficiently. And so they don't have to evaporate as much in order to photosynthesize the same amount. Complicating things even further, crops like corn might react differently to more CO2 than a forest, so it really depends on the landscape. Another problem with predicting flash droughts is that they unfold over an awkward timescale. Weather forecasting out to a week is reasonably accurate, and seasonal climate forecasts for the next winter, for example, may be reasonably accurate. But that sub-seasonal time frame in between can be much trickier to handle, says University of Wisconsin-Madison atmospheric scientist Jason Otkin, who wasn't involved in this new paper. So flash drought predictability may actually prove to be very challenging. Even if scientists are able to accurately predict flash droughts, we have to get much smarter about how we collect and store water. Take it from Los Angeles, of all places. The city is facing a future in which rainfall gets more intense, yet less frequent. So city leaders are embarking on an ambitious quest to store the rare deluges, even turning road medians into collection devices. The hard truth is that we've gotten complacent about water, spoiled even. Going back four or five hundred years ago in India, our ancestors in many villages dug tanks because they realized that it's very important to conserve rainfall, says Manava Sivakumar, who advises the World Meteorological Organization and UNESCO on drought, but wasn't involved in this new paper. It is very important that countries take appropriate steps to conserve water. We have to conserve water. With this new paper, scientists are charting a way toward better understanding flash droughts and helping communities prepare for the worst. We've got a lot of work to do, says Svoboda. But even if that day comes where we get the perfect forecast, we still need to be able to monitor and trigger things within better policies and better plans. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.